Well, your team might have missed the big game this year, but my bookie's double deposit bonus. Make sure you won't. Sign up at MyBookie now and use my promo code ZABE to have your first deposit matched instantly so you can get in on all the action of Super Bowl 56. The only way watching the biggest game of the year could get any better is to get paid doing it, and MyBookie gives you everything you need to do it. With double your money, you can double your winnings, and the best starting point for the big game is with Super Bowl prop bets. Whether it's on or off the field, there's no shortage of wagers to choose from for the Super Bowl, so get in on the action and let the confetti fall and walk away a winner don't miss out head to my bookie and double your first deposit up to a thousand dollars by using promo code zabe charlie zulu alpha bravo echo place your bets and get ready for the unmatched excitement of the super bowl bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie Today on the Zabecast, of all the things you cannot publicly say you don't like as a sportscaster, women's basketball better not be one of them. Marty Conway, Georgetown University sports law and marketing professor, joins us to talk NFL lawsuit, the Rooney Rule, Major League's lockout, the Olympics, and more. All that, plus if you want to know what happens next in the pandemic, just follow the science, the political science. Your 40-minute dose of Pure Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up, man. Let's go. Here we go. Wednesday, February 9, 2022. Thank you for downloading. Well, Lovey Smith is in, in Houston. What a clusterfuck, goat screw, Chinese Fire drill of a hiring that was. Oh, wait. Can I say Chinese fire drill? By the way, I heard somebody explain the origins of where that term comes from. Chinese fire drill. Apparently, it was on some ship. And they were trying to instruct an all-Chinese crew that didn't speak either English or whatever language it was. How to put out a fire in in the engine room of a ship. And so they were taking water out of the, out of the ocean by the buckets and they were supposed to bring it down to the engine room to throw it on the fire. Instead, they were running through the ship to the other side and just throwing the water back in the ocean. That's what I heard. Not sure if it's true or not, but there you go. The hiring of Lovey Smith is completely bonkers because he was on nobody's radar screen. He interviewed for no other jobs. He has had his tries at the helm, and he's kind of out of out of guns, out of bullets, out of tries. You know, he did pretty well with the Bears, took him to the Super Bowl. He didn't last very long in Tampa. That was a flame out. And he was like 17 and 31 at Illinois. Granted, it's hard to win at Illinois, but that's a lot of losing at Illinois. Lovey Smith was just minding his own business. When all of a sudden, the Texans turned to him and said, you know what? You're the guy. And he looked around like, really? You sure? All right, I'll uh, I'll do it. But the funny thing is the Texans fucked themselves because they waited. Never wait. If you know what you want, don't wait. Because if you wait, you don't know what's going to happen. For example, the Texans clearly wanted Josh McCown. They were circling him. They interviewed him once. They came back and interviewed him again. They were clearly kind of testing the water 
and listening to some of the react. Like, are you really going to hire this guy? He's never been a coach at any level. Really? Josh McCown? And so they kind of got intimidated by that. The corollary is don't give a shit what people think. If you're really, if you really believe that this is your guy, who cares what people think? They're going to say what they say and write what they want, and it doesn't matter. But they took their time. They really wanted to hire McCown. And while they were dicking around, Brian Flores jilted out of getting another job after being fired in Miami, gets some bad legal advice, and sues the league. And now there's this huge spotlight on hiring minority coaches, and the Texans are like, oh, shit. If we had just hired him already, then we'd be golden. Instead now, they're going to say, wait a minute. You're hiring this guy with no experience. And you interviewed Flores, and you're like, nah, not him. It's too late. They clearly didn't want to hire Levy Smith. And they interviewed Flores, and they probably thought he was pretty good. They probably would have preferred him. But then they're like, oh, shit, he's suing the league. I don't even know if we can do that. I mean, the league is going to be in a legal dispute with him, and he's going to be in the league privy to information and have emails and be able to talk to people. I'm sure counsel is saying, no, we can't have this. Never wait. Don't give a shit what people think about you. And wow, did that thing blow up in a weird way. Meanwhile, Flores, who clearly got some terrible legal advice, is now sitting there going, oh, shit. Of course, somebody pointed out, I think it was Ross Tucker, said, so wait a minute, a week ago it was, I'm willing to sacrifice my career for this cause. Wait wait a minute, how come I didn't get that job in Houston? I mean, I'm better than Lovey Smith, for God's sakes. So there's that element to it. The other part is, somebody should have said, why don't you just wait? There's five jobs still open. We can sue at any time. We don't have to do it now. You might get one of these jobs. And then you can still sound off about the issue and say, I still think it's wrong in a way that, you know, will help keep the message out there and keep the NFL and their feet to the fire. But no, he just had to go, Leroy Jenkins. All right, time's up. I'm going in there with a lawsuit. And how did that work out? Not so oh, It's a lot good. better than we usually do. Uh, All right, thumbs up. Ready, guys? Or- time's up. Leroy! Oh my God, he just ran in. Oh my God, he just sued the league. So now who knows what happens, but all the jobs are filled, except for the Vikings who are going to hire Kevin O'Connell, but he's a little bit busy with a little thing called the Super Bowl, and we'll see what happens to Flores and his coaching career. But you know damn well, the Texans didn't want Lovey to get promoted from within to be the head coach, but we'll see. Hey, maybe he takes the job and runs with it. Maybe he does a great job. Or they can go one and done again, right? Can they fire two black coaches in a row after only one year when it was clear the Texans didn't really think either guy was their answer at head coach? We shall see. Meanwhile, you cannot in this country, or at least least if you're a media member, you cannot make jokes about, denigrate, Or really even say that you find women's basketball unwatchable. I mean, you can say it, but it's risky. And Sirius XM PGA Tour commentator and former 
PGA Tour player Mark Lai found that out the hard way this week after comments about really how little he thought of women's basketball as a sport. Now, you might say, well, wait, he's a golf commentator. Why would he even be opining about women's basketball? Well, here's how it sounded on the broadcast for the AT&T Pebble Beach uh, Pro-Am. You know, the LPGA Tour to me is a completely different tour than it was 10 years ago. And uh, I, I don't know if you were working that tour back then that long ago, Craig, but you could 2011 really, to 2016. You couldn't pay me to, to watch. You really couldn't because I just I couldn't relate at all. It's kind of like, you know, if you're a basketball player, and I'm not trashing anybody, please don't take it the wrong way, but oh. I saw some highlights of ladies' basketball. Man, is there a gun in the house? I'll, I'll shoot myself <laughs> to watch that. You know, I love watching the men's basketball. I love watching the men's golf. I never used to like watching ladies' golf. But I will tell you this. I've been up close watching these ladies play because I used to have a, a big function every year called the Lucas Cup, and I'd have LPGA players and PGA Tour players. Good luck getting some WNBA stars to, to come play. I know, I know. They're, I'm off their list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He apologized one segment later. It was not enough. It never is. No apology has ever saved a job. Sirius XM says he will no longer be commentating for the network. He is 69 years old. I don't think they paid him a whole lot on Sirius XM, but I guess he liked doing it. But it was just dumb. I mean, should you be canceled for that? Of course not. You should get a reprimand or a suspension, or at least the tour should say, listen, his opinions are his own. Direct them to him. But in this day and age, he can't do that. He must go. He must be sacked. For Mark Lye, I don't know if he gives a shit. He didn't seem too remorseful afterwards, and that's fine. He shouldn't be. He said it was a joke. Of course, people might get on him about the suicide thing. Don't joke about that either. What I tell people all the time is remember, if you're there working for Sirius XM, PGA Tour Radio, you're there to take their money. Not to steal it, but to give them an honest day's work for their money. You're doing it for the money. You can talk amongst your friends and be honest with them about what you do and don't like, but when you're on that channel, don't try to give them any extra little insider flavor or flair. You know what? I, I bet the listeners would appreciate my candor. Oh, they might. They might laugh. They might go, <laughs> Mark Lye said exactly what I think. But guess what? In this day and age, it puts you in danger. And he's there. he was there to take their money, and now... He's not going to. I don't think he needs it at his age, even though he didn't win much on the PGA Tour, and he's been a marginal guy, but God, was that stupid. Reminds me of the great Futurama episode way back when about (laughs) making fun of women's basketball. God, did anyone watch Futurama other than me back in the day? But they make fun women's basketball. What? Did you explain how the women's good fundamentals make up for their inability to dunk? Yes. They still laugh. The man must die. Yes, indeed. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match 
with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, your team might have missed the big game this year, but my bookie's double deposit bonus makes sure you won't. Sign up at MyBookie now and use my promo code ZABE to have your first deposit matched instantly so you can get in on all the action of Super Bowl 56. The only way watching the biggest game of the year could get any better is to get paid doing it, and MyBookie gives you everything you need to do it. With double your money, you can double your winnings, and the best starting point for the big game is with Super Bowl prop bets. Whether it's on or off the field, there's no shortage of wagers to choose from for the Super Bowl, so get in on the action and let the confetti fall and walk away a winner don't miss out head to my bookie and double your first deposit up to a thousand dollars by using promo code zabe charlie zulu alpha bravo echo place your bets and get ready for the unmatched excitement of the super bowl bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie okay let's talk some business shall we sports law media marketing, the money aspects of everything. No better guy to do that than our friend Marty Conway from Georgetown University. Hello. Hey, Marty. How are you? Good, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You uh, you are busy on any given day of the week, any month of the year, any year of our existence on this planet with all the things that are going on in sports and media and marketing and franchises and legal issues. But my God, you must be busier than shit right now because there's like five big pots boiling. Thank you for taking some time with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing why. Thank you. Okay, so let's uh, let's start dealing with these one by one. The Olympics. This is looking like an all-time disaster, at least for NBC, but it's probably going to be a bad Olympics for just about everybody involved is there any silver lining that, lining that you see coming out of this? Perhaps the only silver lining is this is the end of the Asia rotation for the Olympics. You know, we had Pyeongchang in 2018, then we went to Tokyo, although we ended up in 2021, and then six months later we're in Beijing in February. Um, if you look ahead, um, 24 in Paris, 26 in Milan, 28 in L.A., and now 32 in Brisbane, very clear that the IOC has had it sort of with the experiments of taking the Olympics, you know, other than Tokyo, Tokyo was an unfortunate circumstance to do that. And so there was a 10 or 12 year period where we, you know, we spotted in Russia and we spotted in China and, you know, it started in 2008. So if there is a silver lining, it's that the brand has gone through this period 
um, still making more money, but they've taken a lot of hits to the shield, so to speak, and those rings have been dented. So it's difficult for NBC. I think it's difficult for their sponsors. This has been a very difficult time. Procter & Gamble is not really engaging. Um, Some other sponsors are not really engaging like they have in the past. They're just holding their breath, frankly, and hoping that they get through and they get on to the next uh, Olympic cycle. Yeah, I think Tokyo would have been spectacular if there weren't a pandemic. Don't you? No, no question. Yo, no question. In fact, I I would not be surprised if they figure out a way. They they owe Tokyo, literally. I mean, they owe them. That I wouldn't be surprised if in the 2030 period, in that decade, they may end up back in Tokyo as sort of a make good because, yes, um, they really deserve better, and it was just a farce all the way around. Yeah, These winter games, though, they got caught in a bind because all these European cities dropped out, and then they were left yeah. with either Beijing, which, as we now see, had no infrastructure, but they, they cobbled it together and built it somehow, including that ski jump in the middle of Chernobyl, which is ridiculous, and... Uh, the other city, as I looked it up, Marty was Kazakhstan or the other country was Kazakhstan yeah, yeah. and, and yeah, Kazakhstan, yeah. yeah, Kazakhstan only <laughs> lost by like four votes. And I'm thinking yeah. th- we almost had the Borat Olympics. Great success. <laughs> yeah. Almaty was the other uh, alternative. And yeah, I mean, again, that's where the IOC and you saw this start to change in 2017 when they almost had the same circumstance for the summer Olympics it had gotten down to basically Paris and Los Angeles, and they made the decision, unprecedented, to award two games at one time because they needed time. They needed some time to get past this set of issues that they have, and so they awarded 24 and 28. They paid Los Angeles. They guaranteed them almost a billion dollars to wait around for another four years. Really? And then quickly they've done an inside job uh, with Brisbane for 2032, they, there was not even really a search. Wow. Uh, and so they've recognized the challenges and the problems based on not having those. But but I agree. I mean, look, the whole notion behind being in China in 2008, right, was this the, the, in 2001 when they were awarded the games, the Chinese government, they were just becoming into the World Trade Organization. There was hopes of opening this, you know, new chapter and as you can see by 2022, here they're hoping to sort of manufacture a winter sports um, environment there. Um, but yeah, you can see by just by television that the only place there's snow is on the runs. Everything else is, you know, a rock, and they and they could not have any test events for some of the downhill skiing. And so um, it's it's been a challenge, and I, again, something they're not going to want to repeat for sure. Yeah, I think they should go to a rotation pick. Seven seven good venues for winter and for summer, and just rotate through. Yeah, well, there's some, there there is some talk about that. There's some benefit to that. And look, they may end up actually doing something like that, even if they don't formally announce it, because as you're seeing, these events for the winter in particular essentially belong in Europe and North America somewhere, like Canada, United sure. States, wherever it is, and parts of Europe, because. The rest, look, there's only seven international sport federations that participate in the winter games compared to 14 or 15 in the summer games. And the number of athletes, you know, is certainly less. And so this this really works when you're in the Alps or when you're in Canada or somewhere like that, the Rockies. It just isn't working in these other environments that are sort of made for TV at this point. 
All right, now to the NFL, this Brian Flores lawsuit. Have you been able to size up either yourself or with other legal eagles his chances of winning in court? Or is winning in court not necessarily winning from what he wants to achieve? Actually, it may be the latter. So the first thing to look, I would look for is, does anybody join him? Again, this was, this was um, proposed, put forth as a class action lawsuit. Now, at this point, as, as we're talking, no one else has joined. Hugh Jackson has made some noises, but he's not formally joined that. So if it's not a class action lawsuit and it's just Brian Flores against the NFL and these three teams, then look, the NFL First of all, if it even gets past the initial motion to dismiss, right, which it mm-hmm. may not get past that, if it gets past the motion to dismiss, the NFL is going to want this to be arbitrated, right? They, they are not going to want anything like happened in St. Louis where they lost track of that, and, and then you get into discovery. So I think that you know, your, your folks on the legal side that you talk to will probably tell you better, but the odds, I think, are pretty long of getting past the motion to dismiss. Uh, and certainly if there's not any other coaches or anybody else that joins in the class action, then I think it will make it even more difficult for him to prove. And you can see already the three teams, I, I thought this was unprecedented, but the Broncos, Dolphins, and Giants came out hitting really strong with right. their responses. And so that tells me that they, they've known these type of circumstances could ex- could come up. And they take copious notes. They probably record some of these interviews. I mean, they go through the motions to make sure that if they ever were faced with a case like this, that they have documentation as to why they chose what they chose. But look, at the end of the day, they're private organizations and they can choose to hire what they want. I think this looks worse for, for, for the Rooney family than it does for anybody because at this point, as we can see, the Rooney rule is not functioning in any way whatsoever the way that it was certainly intended. I mean, maybe it should have been the Al Davis rule because he actually hired people, right. minorities and women. So um, I, I think it's a it's a long hill to climb, and, and perhaps Brian Flores will make a decision along the way. As long as this is out there, he's likely not going to get a job in the NFL, um, and, and we'll see what happens you know, months down the road. The flip side of the coin is the league has to figure out what they're going to do next, and I saw where there was a conference call with Al Sharpton and other civil rights leaders, and they told the NFL you should scrap the Rooney Rule and start over. Well, the problem is how, what are you going to put in there that's any better, that's actually going to work? I don't know what the league can do. Do you? Well, when you talk about the league, remember, Goodell is just – you know, he's just marching on behalf of the 31 owners, True. the Green Bay right. Packers. And so, look, these are, you know, 20, two dozen really wealthy families that you know probably never going to sell their teams. It's probably a handful of teams that come up for sale like the Broncos over the next you know few years. And that's the real challenge is uh, the NFL is taking some dents at the shield. But what can anybody do to force these 20 some owners, you know, to become more enlightened. Now, I think what you are seeing, look, they're making some uh, headway in general manager positions. Some clubs that have two positions open, a GM and a head coach. Atlanta did that last year, hired a minority in the general manager position, hired Arthur Smith as the head coach. I think there's going to be some more of that. Um, And so ultimately, yeah, it doesn't look good for them. I just, again, I don't know what you would replace it with because you really can't require that private business to 
hire anybody that they don't want to. And at this point, you know, these are the people now, again, this, this was unprecedented. What we have nine openings this year, it vacillates between four and five and seven and nine. And, um, but it's it just, it's the annual embarrassment of the NFL at this point. Yeah. There was seven, I believe. And they're almost all filled at this point. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, actually by my count. Right. So there yeah. you go. All right. Let's talk about the NFL media landscape. And this is going to be an incredible year of change. Amazon is in on Thursday nights. I saw it today, Marty. They rolled out their new logo for Thursday night football. There could be announcer churn as well with rumors of Al Michaels heading for Thursday night, maybe poaching Troy Aikman along the way. What does the media landscape look for the NFL? Obviously, they have the most dipped-in-gold, unsinkable product in the current television landscape which is live NFL games, nothing comes close. But what are you going to see on the landscape media-wise in the NFL? So why don't we just call television NFL at this point, right? I mean, because right. literally that's what it is. There's right? Netflix I mean, and then there's yeah. NFL. <laughs> yeah. And when there's not NFL games, they try to put in, you know, look, if it wasn't for the NCIS, CSI, right. you, know, cos- you know, conglomerate and all that, that that's what runs. But yeah. So they're they're dipped in gold, hundred and thirteen billion dollar you know deal over the next however many years that that's working out um, is is enormous, and so in the position of Amazon, right, they've got to do something here because we don't know what the schedule will be yet, and chances are the schedule on Thursdays isn't really that good because you're forcing teams to play and the games aren't good. So what do you turn to? You've got to have something to sell. And you've got to have something in the I, – I think they've got to have something in the broadcast booth, which is what they're looking, whether it's an Al Michaels or Troy Aikman. They've got to have something there because when those upfront markets happen this spring and summer, you've got to be able to sell that. The second thing is I don't think they're going to be able to carry off the traditional broadcast and be successful. And what I mean by that is young people are turning off to the idea that it's Joe Buck and Troy Aikman or it's you know whoever is in the booth they're at Michaels and Collinsworth. They're just not interested in that. They actually would like to watch a game and, and see some of their friends comment on it or have some other elements. That is what is drawing them in to that. Now, the other question is, how many of those younger people have an Amazon Prime subscription? Most of the young people that I know have been, have been mooching off their parents' yeah. Amazon Prime subscription to do that. And so those are some of the challenges that they face. But look, they're going to throw billions at it because this has to work because when you stack up Amazon Prime against Netflix and against Disney, it just doesn't have the same cachet. They don't have the same level of, of, no. of shows and talents and pipeline. And so they're, they're going to go all in on the NFL, and I wouldn't be surprised if they go all in on some other sports if they get that opportunity because it is a place we've seen in the TV industrial complex you can anchor – and you'll get at least a minimum audience, um, uh, and then you can build from there. And this will be the first time, unless I'm mistaken, that an NFL game, aside from the markets that are in the game itself, the two cities will carry it over the air. But otherwise, the only way to get the game is to stream it, right? This is a new ground that they are breaking. Yeah, and, and I would say this. Look, I know we're talking in February. Come September, when the first games roll out, there's going to be a hue and cry for people to say, oh, my gosh, you mean I have to have an Amazon Prime subscription to see it yeah. if I'm not in the home market? I don't think that has sunk in with people yet. 
and they're going to be flailing around at least initially to do it. And I think Amazon Prime is going to have to roll out some promotion and marketing gimmicks, maybe a free month, or you know, you're going to they're going to have to get creative because right now they just simply say, well, it's free shipping and you get the video for free. But I think they're going to have to get creative to get the kind of audience quality that they want. So you might see 30 days free or or something like that in order to get people to try the first month because there will be a wide group of people. They just aren't paying attention and they're not going to pay attention until next you know, September on a Thursday night and say, I didn't know that I couldn't get it you know, like I used to. So, um, but look, the NFL powers, as we've discussed many times, they, they power through everything. There's nothing that stops them. They are the steamroller of entertainment and however they need to do it, whether it's they or Amazon or their other partners, they'll figure out a way to do that. What about sports bars that may not be suited to streaming a football game over their X number of TVs? I mean, they've got internet for point of sale. They've got internet for all these other systems. I mean, that's going to be a pain in the ass for them. Well, they're going to have to get quick with those, you know, uh, smart TVs and do some other things. But again, keep in mind at this point, those Amazon's audience is, first of all, it's not measured, right? It's not measured by any sort of um, audience measurement ratings type thing. It's simply measured by subscriptions and all that. And so there will have to be some creative effort to educate people on how you can do that. And at this point, yeah, it might be such that, you know, those, you know, all in, you know, 40, 50 screen sports bars are going to have to get creative and figure out how to do it and not just have it on one, but have it on several, because as you know, if NFL games are on, everything else takes a back seat. So um, it'll be a new experience commercially for a lot of people. And there'll be a lot of scrambling next September. I think, Aikman and Collinsworth are coming up soon here with their deals. And of course, they're both looking at that insane Romo money. What is Romo making? Eighteen million a year, something like that? He's making about a million a week in yeah. terms of the uh games that he's doing. Will will either uh, one of those guys get that money? And do you think CBS is looking at the Romo deal going, Yeah, we might have gotten a little bit crazy with that? <laughs> you know, they got themselves in a position where they didn't have any alternative. So I think Aikman is the one who's first up. And I do think he would probably be the most marketable, frankly, of all that. Um, I think you've already starting to see NBC's trying to figure out what's next. And there's, and again, you're going to have some quarterbacks coming off the market here in the next year or two who are going to go right into the broadcast booth. I don't think it'll be Brady, but people like that. And so those next opportunities. So I think Aikman probably becomes the most marketable former Cowboys quarterback, all that that goes with it. I think he might be somebody, again, he also might be somebody that joins Amazon and sticks with Fox, but doesn't do every Sunday or huh. something like that. It, it could be a situation where they're in more than one place because you're not running the risk of competing against yourself for advertising because only Fox is that measured audience compared to say Amazon. Yeah. And then we get to Major League Baseball, Marty, which is akin to uh, Nick Cage drinking himself to death in the movie Leaving Las Vegas. What are you doing, Major League Baseball? How bad do you think this will get, and what kind of season will we have when it's all said and done? Well, if, if the preview was, was the 2020 season, you know, in the pandemic year, 
um, where we, you know, we were only able to get 60 games, and right. that's because finally the commissioner was able to say, I can um, assure at least 60. I, I, look, at this point, I think it's very problematic. Um, I would have said uh, a month ago I would have been more favorable, but I see the players about as intractable as they've been for the last several collective bargaining agreements. Remember, there's new voices in the room, new people in the room, new attitudes. Um, you've got players like Max Scherzer speaking up loudly for the first time in a long time. So um, I think you should cancel your spring training trip if you made it. Um, I, I don't think that you're looking at March 31st as the first official game. Uh, maybe there'll be some scrambling to try to put that together. But in the next two to four weeks is when everyone understands if we don't, you know, you start the work back schedule, right? If we don't have this by this date, then it's impossible for us to get pitchers and catchers and to get arms stretched out. But, but look, I know this is just money, but at the end of the day, baseball, and I, and I say the players in this as well, they've got to really recognize that the, the things that really matter to fans may not be the things that matter to the players, right? So this whole idea that, well, a younger player, you know, he might not start his service time and all, that's great. But what do fans care about? They want games to be under three hours, right? They, they want to see games that are interesting. They don't want to see an average of five pitchers a team, right. you know, on each, on each team. Those are the things that they should be looking at. And, again, I know that the players are really intractable on certain elements about service time and some of these other things. But if they would collectively get together and decide, here's what our real objectives are. We want to shorten the game times. We want a fewer pitchers. We want more balls in play. We don't want to have three or four minutes between balls in play. Then I think you could get some people really interested in this. But right now it just looks like, okay, at the end of the day, we know that there's going to be more money coming in through additional playoffs or, or patches on uniforms or helmets, whatever it is. And the question really for these people at the table is, how are we going to divvy up that money? That's really what this comes down to. Are we going to give people more money as a minimum or they're going to get the, you know, arbitration earlier. But I just think I haven't really seen them deal with the real issues that fans care about. And I think that concerns me more than anything. Yeah. When it comes to a, a severely mangled season, half a season maybe, or possibly less, is it possible, and this was just a theory I was turning over in my head the other day, that the fact that the players had to endure this two years ago because of the pandemic and because at the end of the day, no matter how painful they looked around and said, well, nobody died. We're all still pretty rich. We could do this now that the tables are turned in our favor where we could inflict pain on the owners to get our union a much better deal than what we have currently. Is it possible that that year, the, the, the pandemic year has emboldened the union? Well, I think if you look, there were some new tactics this time, right? Up until December 1st and those last 48, 72 hours, you saw a mad scramble for both sides to sign, right? It wasn't right. just players signing. It was Teams. owners willfully signing long-term big deals to players. There were, you know, there were a billion dollars exchanged at some point in that 48 hour or so period committed to. We've never seen that before. If, if either side particularly the owners, if they thought this was going to be a really difficult negotiation over money, they probably wouldn't have signed those players. On the side of the players, they looked at it and said, 
we're not going to have this mass scramble come March. Yes, there's still going to be a hundred or so free agents eligible, but the cream of the crop, they took themselves off the market in November and December. And so they're now sitting and saying, you know, well, I might miss a few paychecks, but my deal is so strong that maybe I can sit out a month or two months or whatever that is in terms of paychecks because they know that ultimately they have a four or five or six year deal. That would have concerned me more than anything because it's almost like people were stocking up their nuts Mm -hmm. before the long winter on both sides. To me, that sent a signal that I had never seen before in any other collective bargaining for baseball, which was that sort of splurge at the end. It's almost the exact opposite in the past. All right. Well, let's hope you're right and I'm wrong. Do you have a pick for the Super Bowl? I I mean, why wouldn't I still roll with Joey B and the Bengals (laughs) at this point? Because we know this, right? Teams get on a roll. It's not always the best team that wins necessarily the game. Things happen, and sometimes you just throw it up to fate and you say, this team came out of nowhere. And, and, and so if you were asking me today, whatever the number is, four, four and a half, I mean, I would take the points, but i take the team because I just think there might be a wind at their back that might be one of these years where they roll in and roll out, and the next thing you know you're saying, there's your Super Bowl winner from Cincinnati and a guy that's in year two of his contract that we've never seen before. So um, that's the way I look at it at this point. And uh, I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks as they kept coming back and winning games that they should have never even probably been in it after halftime. You know. All right, very good. Marty Conway, entertainment, sports, marketing, media, professional, jack-of-all-trades, professor at Georgetown University. You can find him on Twitter, at Marty Conway. As always, Marty, great chat. We'll catch up down the road. All right, Zabe. Thanks. We'll end on this. These days, the crazier a policy sounds, it's probably not only true, but probably a Democrat official policy. The latest is the Biden administration is going to apparently provide federal money for free crack pipes for addicts. In the name of racial equity. (laughs) What? Yes. What the hell did you just say? Yes, you heard me right. Basically, it's saying, hey, there are federal programs for, uh, you know, free needles for heroin junkies, and they tend to be more white. What about crack addicts? This during Black History Month, no less. Can you imagine, by the way, if Donald Trump had done and said the same thing. Like, you know, we're going to give out free crack pipes in the hood because, you know, racial equity. It's only fair, you know? We want to help the drug addicts in the inner city just like we were we're helping out those that may be in the burbs shooting up heroin or who knows what else. And imagine if Trump had done this and imagine if Trump Jr. had a laptop from hell like Biden's kid and photos of him smoking, wait for it, a crack pipe. Are you on crack? <laughs> Apparently, that's the way things are going. Gentlemen, what brings me to my next point? Gentlemen, what brings oh, me to my next point? That's a bad bite. Don't smoke crack. Yes, don't do that. Republican Representative Lauren Boebert, who many people call crazy and an idiot, fine, whatever, made a great simple point. You can't refute it no matter how much you hate her. I never in my life thought I would have to say this, but the proper role of government is not to fund the distribution of crack pipes. 
Amen to that. But it's it's rooted in feel good. Like they're gonna smoke crack anyway. You don't want them using a dirty crack pipe. What can we do to help? I just recently read a story about how things are going in San Francisco with their sort of drug. I don't even know what they call it. They call it like a uh, assistance checkpoint program where pretty much in downtown San Francisco, they have legalized the dealing of and the using of hardcore drugs under the guise of, well, at least, you know, they're here around where we are and we can maybe put them in touch with those who could get them clean or sober or get them off the streets. None of that is happening. It's all just basically one shoot them up zone. It was a fascinating, if not depressing, read on how I guess what seemed like sort of a good sympathetic idea in reality turns out to be the worst fucking idea in the world. And when it comes to the pandemic and masks, well, the masks are finally falling. State by state, locality by locality, mostly all in deep blue Democrat areas. But in some, they're going to have to rip those off people's faces before it's all said and done, especially kids in schools. In New York City, by the way, where someone gets pushed to their death on the subway nearly once a week and where an officer was killed in the line of duty recently, they mustered enough resources to arrest 10 people with maybe two dozen cops in a paddy wagon because they dared to see a movie while unvaccinated. Are you kidding me? And of course, back to masks in Arlington, Virginia, the new governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin was at a grocery store not wearing a mask. And a woman, obese, in a mask, got her courage up and barked at the governor saying, where's your mask? He said, ma'am, we're all making choices today. Meaning it was her choice to wear a mask, his choice not to. She then clapped back with, you're in Arlington, Read the room. Arlington, Virginia, for those that don't know, is the uh, county closest to the District of Columbia. It's basically an offshoot of D.C. It's very liberal. Tons of government contractors and government workers live there. Read the room. You're in Arlington. I mean, the delusion and the absolute craziness of the mask maniacs it's breathtaking if not utterly depressing but there you go what a hero she was and of course virginia state senator dick saslaw tweeted after the clip went viral a win for common sense and science as the brave checkout clerk said yesterday in alexandria Read the room. This was because there was a temporary legal setback to Governor Youngkin allowing for parents to opt to have their kids masked or not. Guess what Dick Saslaw just did four days later? (laughs) He voted to allow parents the choice on whether their kids should be masked. This follows New Jersey saying they're ending their mandate. It follows California saying they're ending their mandate, although L.A. County is not. Connecticut and a bunch of other states are going to follow suit. Gee, the science must have changed in a hurry, huh? Forget about reading the room. The Democrats are reading the polls, and they know they are on the wrong side of this, and they're headed towards a disaster. So they better hurry up and end this.
It's like the saying, uh, someone had this joke way back when the pandemic was only a couple months old. When will the pandemic end? How would I know? I don't follow politics. That's a wrap for today. Thank you for listening and being a subscriber. Rate and review. Tickle the algorithm. Tell a few friends. Whatever you can do is great. If you'd like to subscribe to five days a week, well, you'll get Scott and Sally in the new Mobile Strike Studio, the Zabecast Landjet, in living stereophonic color on Friday. So do tune in for that if you are a subscriber. Five bucks a month, cancelable anytime. If you order a year at a time, I'll give you 12 months for the price of 11. What a bargain. Thank you for all that subscribe. Thanks for listening. Have a great Wednesday, and we will see you next time. Well, your team might have missed the big game this year, but my bookie's double deposit bonus. Make sure you won't. Sign up at MyBookie now and use my promo code ZABE to have your first deposit matched instantly so you can get in on all the action of Super Bowl 56. The only way watching the biggest game of the year could get any better is to get paid doing it, and MyBookie gives you everything you need to do it. With double your money, you can double your winnings, and the best starting point for the big game is with Super Bowl prop bets. Whether it's on or off the field, there's no shortage of wagers to choose from for the Super Bowl, so get in on the action and let the confetti fall and walk away a winner don't miss out head to my bookie and double your first deposit up to a thousand dollars by using promo code zabe charlie zulu alpha bravo echo place your bets and get ready for the unmatched excitement of the super bowl bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie